0: This is the Quantum Tech Pod, brought to you by Inside Quantum Technology, covering industry analysis, data, and market forecasting for quantum technology markets worldwide. Now, here's your host, Christopher Bishop.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Quantum Tech Pod. I'm delighted that you're listening. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on where you're sitting on the planet. My name is Christopher Bishop. My guest today is Timothy Costa. He's the Director of HPC and Quantum Computing Product at NVIDIA. Tim leads the HPC and Quantum Computing Product Team at NVIDIA. And before joining, he was a Performance Library Architect and HPC Application Engineer at Intel. Worth noting that Tim obtained his Ph.D. in Mathematics from Oregon State University on the Development and Analysis of Numerical Methods for fluid flow in stochastic or evolving porous media. Tim, I want to hear more about that later on. NVIDIA is an American multinational technology company based in Santa Clara, California. They design graphics processing units, GPUs, and application programming interfaces, APIs, for data science and high-performance computing, as well as system-on-a-chip units for the mobile computing and automotive market. In addition, NVIDIA has expanded its presence in the gaming industry with its popular handheld game consoles, Shield Portable, Shield Tablet, and Shield Android TV, and its cloud gaming service, GeForce Now. NVIDIA also provides an API called CUDA that allows the creation of massively parallel programs which utilize GPUs. CUDA is deployed in supercomputing sites around the world. So welcome, Tim, and thanks for joining me today.
0: Thank you very much for having me. Pleasure to be here. So
1: Tim, I always like to start the podcast by asking my guests to share a bit of their own personal quantum journey. So my objective is twofold, really, to give our audience certainly a sense of what you did before you joined NVIDIA, but also to orient our audience more broadly to the fact that there are many ways and various paths that people have taken to get into the field of quantum information science. So please share with our listeners a little bit about your background and path so far, maybe where you grew up more about where you went to school and what you studied, and insight into the companies or organizations where you worked.
0: Sure, happy to do that. Um, I'll I'll be brief on the early years uh, and and get a little more detail once I get out of grad school. But um, so I grew up moving moving around a bit in the United States. Um, If I have to say where I'm from, uh, it's central Oregon. Uh, so I lived in a, a small town. Well, growing now, much larger now. A town called Bend, Oregon. It's a lovely place. Uh, if yeah, you chance, anybody uh, to go check it out. For my undergrad degree, I went over to Pennsylvania and attended Villanova University. Uh, go Cats! Um, and then ultimately went and got my PhD in applied mathematics at Oregon State. Uh, my my work at Oregon State was I think you mentioned this early already, but focused on uh, numerical methods uh, for a variety of, uh, of application areas. But um, primarily, that the most important, the, the most heavily focused one was on uh, fluid flow in stochastic or evolving porous media. So you can you can think about this as um, you know uh, you know when does the when does the, the the structure of the ground change when you when you care how fluids are moving through them. So you can think well, about formation of methane hydrate and other energy problems. You can think about sequestration of carbon uh, in terms of uh, environmental challenges. Um, but if, you're, if the if the if the if the structure of the of, of the subsurface is changing and the way fluids uh, travel in them is going to change as well, and that's a really hard problem and has heavy implications on all kinds of problems in energy and climate. So uh, after uh, after that, um, I went to Intel. Um, this is where I got my first um, uh, kind of exposure to what it takes to get really high performance on on adva- you know, advanced computing technologies. Uh, so my work at in grad school was um, was focused on the numerical algorithms. I was in math department, so uh, my PhD is, is full of proofs in terms of stability and convergence of different uh, techniques uh, that you could easily do that work um, writing in a high-level framework and not worry too much about the architecture. But ultimately, um, I wanted to get to know everything from the scientific computing application down to how you know bits are, are, are turning on and off on on, on silicon, uh, and of course, it was bits back then. I was not in quantum computing yet. Right. Um, and so there I worked on the, the MKL team, the math, math, library, uh, math library team there. Um, and so, you know, I like to tell stories now about how if you try to write a matrix multiplication in the high level language, you're going to write three loops, right? Three lines of code. Uh, but if you're going to get the best performance on really any uh, a modern processor, ultimately you're going to end up with hundreds of lines of assembly. So it's a pretty stark uh, transformation when you, when you learn how to map all of that to, uh, to the complicated uh, architectures that we all Get our computing from today. After a bit of time uh, working on those low library, low level uh, routines, I wanted to get closer, back closer to to scientific computing applications and users. Um, and so um, I started working on uh, CFD applications for Intel. So I was the I, I led the efforts to optimize OpenFOAM and SU two, which are two very popular uh, fluid dynamics applications. Um, as well as uh, you know, when I was in that role, I saw an opportunity for the development of a library which would serve um, many CFD use cases. And so I started building that as I was building it, um, you know, when you're a one person team, you <laughs> wear all kinds of hats, right? So, yep. yes, I was the engineer. I was also the product manager. I was also marketing to the extent that we had marketing. Um, and uh, what I discovered along the way is that uh, the kinds of uh, work that, uh, that a product team or product manager does, I really, really enjoyed doing and so, when an opportunity to come over to NVIDIA as a, a math libraries product manager for NVIDIA, um, I, I jumped on that um, roughly four years ago. And then, uh, while at NVIDIA, um, uh, my, my scope grew pretty quickly to cover most of the software we associate with HPC applica- ap- application development. So, programming model strategy, compilers, uh, low level libraries. Uh, and that led to a transition to leading the product team for HPC software. Uh, so this is now, we're now in 2021, early 2021 at this point, where I've got the team for, for HPC software uh, products uh, and uh, no quantum computing yet. Um, but, um, uh, you know, Jensen at that time was asking, you know, for a strategy in quantum computing for NVIDIA. Uh, and so I got um, pulled in to take a look at that, uh, ultimately leading to where I am now, which is director of, of HPC and quantum computing product.
1: Wow, great story. So and I want to just reinforce your great, tale about being sort of a, you know, a one man shop doing lots of different things and that led you to discover that, you know, product development is what you really, you know, were interested in or found fascinating or were captivated by. That's a,
0: yeah, that's a, yeah.
1: right. That's a great, uh, just for our listeners, from a workforce perspective, <laughs> I want to reinforce that. It,
0: it, yeah, it's true. I mean, some, I think that, uh, sometimes, uh, Work that you weren't planning on doing gets thrown at you in your day to day, and if you grab it, you might discover that you actually like it a lot. Uh, and so that that's kind of that's kind of what happened there.
1: Yeah, great. No, thank you for sharing that. So the segue into sort of how you became interested in quantum information science. So tell me more about how that sort of has evolved for you.
0: What what I enjoy most about the work that I do is enabling is enabling scientists and and users to have easier, more productive um, access to disruptive computing technologies. Uh, so, you know, obviously accelerated computing um, is not brand new. Uh, it's been, it's been, you know, being worked on for almost 20 years now uh, by NVIDIA, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah. there are still, you know, many applications which have not converted to a, to accelerated computing. Um, and so I spend, you know, significant amounts of my time thinking about the ways to make this technology more and more accessible to a broader range of users. Um, and so... You know, if you take that same mindset and you think uh, about quantum computing, it's very easy to arrive at why I would be interested in that problem. You know, if I look at uh, quantum computing today, it's a it's a relatively small community. I think we can all uh, acknowledge, uh, relative to other um, larger computing communities.
1: Yeah, um, and I
0: think that accessibility of the technology, usability of the technology, um, is one of the big hurdles uh, to going from you know where we are today to a significantly uh, larger community uh, seeing valuable quantum computing um, as as the hardware matures into the future. And so that was kind of what got me excited at the start is to think about how can I enable um, users uh, for this next generation of disruptive computing technology in the same way I've been working on with accelerated computing for the last, uh, you know, uh, number of years.
1: Yeah. So I want to get a sense, I guess, from the business side, right? So what were the factors that drove NVIDIA to set up uh, an HPC and quantum computing product group and put you in charge of it? Obviously market factors, but we'd love to get your insight into, you know, what what drove them to do this?
0: When we took a look at the quantum computing space, and uh, for one of the things, of course, we're looking for is opportunity, um, and yep. uh, we we saw two main areas uh, that were um, that were a clear let's go let's go attack that area for um, for Nvidia, and that's really because of how um, it, you know how uh, what a great fit and and how important GPU accelerated computing would be for these elements of quantum computing. Um, so I think it's you no know, secret that um, we have no plans. We have announced no plans and, and have none to, to build a quantum processor. Uh, but there's a lot more to a quantum computing platform, a full quantum computing platform than the quantum processor. Uh, yeah. I don't want to diminish the work that the quantum hardware builders are doing. That's incredibly hard work and incredibly important. Uh, but, um, but we think that there's a major part to play for, um, for GPU accelerated computing uh, in, in these two areas. And those two areas are quantum circuit simulation and, uh, and then hybrid quantum classical computing, um, obviously really focusing on the, the classical side of that hybrid quantum classical computing. So, yeah. uh, you know, we, we started out looking at, um, you know, our first product announcement was a little over a year ago with KuQuantum. Uh, you know, KuQuantum is a set of libraries that accelerates, um, you know, quantum circuit simulation frameworks. So it's not a framework of its own, but rather it's meant to be a platform upon which everybody can build their, um, their quantum uh, circuit simulation framework. And this really, you know, it, it may seem like, you know, a, an interesting new direction for NVIDIA to take to get into quantum computing. But if you look at the strategy on quantum, it's really bread and butter NVIDIA, right? Um, so, if, you know, if we look back to the early days of, of AI, um, and, I'm, and I'll apologize in advance, I'm not an AI historian, I don't know which frameworks came first, right? Um, so, <laughs> but if we pretend it was, if we pretend it was TensorFlow for a moment, okay. you know, NVIDIA didn't go out and Build a you know build a competitor to TensorFlow. What we did is we went out and built the libraries necessary to make TensorFlow do great work on NVIDIA platforms. So QDNN, Kublaz, uh, and then a whole smattering of new of new libraries since then, which accelerate you know TensorFlow and PyTorch and all these others. Right. We have a long history of this strategy, right? Because we're we're an accelerated computing platform upon which all of our partners can build their solutions and, and, and their frameworks. And so we took the same strategy and applied it to quantum circuit simulation. And so CuQuantum accelerates now. Uh, all of your favorite leading quantum uh, circuit simulation frameworks from CIRC to Penny Lane to Qiskit and, and many, many more.
1: That's a, that's an amazing story, actually, and it makes perfect sense that it's a logical sort of extension of the go to market, right? Mm-hmm. Historical go to market. Um, I read recently that AWS has announced that uh, Cool Quantum is going to be on its Bracket service. Uh, they quoted a number like that is providing up to nine hundred x speed up on quantum machine learning workloads. So, congrats on being in the bracket platform. Wonderful. Uh, thank you. Um, how does how does this work, and how will that expand sort of uh, the go to market and the capabilities for this new uh, solution?
0: So um, that that's a, a three way that was a three way announcement between Xanadu, AWS, and NVIDIA. Uh, and um, the, the way that that works is, um, you know, KuQuantum is, is supporting PennyLane uh, as the framework, which is uh, you being used for quantum machine learning. And that is integrated into the Bracket Service for, for users. Uh, in addition to some work being done to parallelize that um, at the PennyLane KuQuantum integration over many uh, you know, compute instances uh, within AWS. So that was a very successful um, uh, uh, you know, collaboration between the, the three of us. And, and we're very excited about those results you know, in terms of how it expands, uh, you know, our, our, market opportunity, uh, if we, you know, the, the way that we approach this from the quantum perspective and the, and, and the quantum product team is, you know, if the, if the, if the simulators in the frameworks and the services in which the users are interacting them with are able to, uh, simulate larger qubit systems, they're able to solve more interesting problems while experimenting with quantum algorithms, yeah. that, that value add is gonna result in those users gravitating towards uh, running those frameworks on NVIDIA accelerated systems because it's what gets their work done, right? Um, yep. and, uh, and and expands the scope of what the, of the problem space that they can explore. Um, and so in terms of AWS, I don't think it would be any secret to know there's GPUs in AWS and you can go reserve a <laughs> GPU instance. And if there's a lot of demand for GPU instances on AWS, presumably they'll put more GPUs in the AWS service. And, and there you go, that's the connection to, to our market opportunity.
1: Yeah, great. Now, well, thank you for for explaining that. Our listeners are always interested in you know real world examples of how clients are using our guests' uh, solutions. So, can you share maybe a little bit about uh, how a client might be using Ku Quantum?
0: Yeah, so uh, I don't, I
1: don't uh, want to reveal any competitive advantage or put you at risk of sharing confidential information, but you know, listeners are always no, wondering. I'll, so, how how's this yeah. going in the real
0: world? So I'll I'll I'm going to stay at a fairly high level. Um, there are we do have some specific results um, with specific end users, which will be unveiled in the in the near future. But they're not next, you know, they're not at at QDB, and so um, I'll, I'll hold off on on some of the specifics. But um, you know what we're seeing is, uh, and, I, and I think that the that I'm not telling anyone anything they don't know. We're we're all seeing the same thing. Is that the Uh, industrial research groups, enterprise, um, you know, the major companies in the world in in finance and drug discovery and energy and transportation and logistics, uh, and and the list goes on and on and on. um, They all, all, you know, see the opportunity um, uh, uh, that is going to be presented by, um, to to reuse a phrase I've come to like a lot, a new disruptive uh, compute technology, right? Quantum computing, Um, has a, you know, there's a roadmap for quantum computing in terms of the hardware uh, that's talked about on a regular basis. There are um, a a huge number of uh, government um, uh, national initiatives in quantum computing across the world. There are a, you know, last time we counted, which was pretty recent, over 250 um, uh, quantum computing startups. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of energy um, and and momentum in this space, uh, and the hardware is improving on a regular cadence. And so, these these enterprise groups um, you know look at this and, and they want to make sure that they're prepared to leverage this dis- disruptive technology as soon as it's at a point where um, it, it's able to do so well uh, one of the things that you have to have uh, in order to leverage a disruptive technology uh, is is the software and the algorithms in order to um to, to get the benefit from it right yeah. the hardware on its own is relatively uninteresting i sorry to all my you know hard <laughs> here at nvidia <laughs> but uh, you know I, I work primarily in software so i get to yep. i'm going to take that and get away with it um and so uh we need to you know th- they need to think those companies those enterprise groups need to think about um you know what are the applications which you're going to see advantage um what are the algorithms uh, that are going to be able to to generate that in my applications and then what does my application look like uh, and in fact this is a kind of a lead into our to our new product announcement uh, that i that, that we'll get to soon um, the, the, focus to date, um, from my perspective has been very much focused on the algorithm, um, and, and not enough yet on the application. Uh, mm-hmm. those are different scales of software. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, uh, um, you know, the, one of the, you know, the, the ways that these companies are engaging with Nvidia and with quantum and the other products that we're building is in, is in preparing themselves on the software algorithm and application side for a time when quantum advantages is, is possible with the hardware.
1: Yeah. So let's talk coding for a moment. So um, to program QPUs today, uh, you know the risk of sounding simplistic, you have to use what could be described maybe as the quantum equivalent of low-level assembly code, mm-hmm. which is challenging maybe for anyone not an expert in quantum computing. Um, in addition, developers lack a unified programming model and a compiler tool chain that would let them run their work on any QPU. So how is NVIDIA addressing this problem?
0: That's a, that's a great question, just framed perfectly. Um, so, <laughs> Good. Uh, so I, I, I like to, I, I do like to always point out where what we're doing is really consistent with the DNA, the history, um, and the and the strategy of NVIDIA as a broader company. And so, before I actually answer that, I want to talk about 2006 real quick. Um, so, if you were in if you were in scientific computing in 2006 it was possible to program, uh, to leverage accelerated computing, to, to use GPUs. But you needed to program in um, you know, shaders, graphics APIs, or you know, GPU assembly, right? Very, very, very low level. And yeah. so while we all have a notion of what CUDA is today, if you look back to 07, what it was was a revolution in accessibility of, uh, hmm. of, of accelerated computing to the general scientific developer. Um, and, and I always keep that in my head as I think about what NVIDIA did uh, with CUDA at that time and continues to do, of course, um, over, the last, uh, over the last 15, 20 years. Okay, no. so um, what, do we, what do we need to do in quantum computing? I think we need the exact, exactly the same uh, revolution in accessibility. And we also need to expand the, expand the scope um, of, uh, of, of the, the, the programming framework to look beyond the algorithm and to the application. And so what we're announcing at Q2B um, uh, is, the, uh, is, a, is a new product that we call CODA, um, Q-O-D-A, or Quantum Optimized Device Architecture. Hmm. Uh, and you can, um, you can really think about this as, uh, as the platform, the programming platform uh, for um, hybrid quantum classical computing, really focused up that layer a bit on, on application development uh, for, for quantum computing and, and the hybrid execution across quantum uh, and classical resources. Coda is QPU agnostic, uh, we will announce um, this, it'll be announced with uh, several um, quantum hardware partners, um, several quantum software partners, um, and a number of research institutions who, are, who have been collaborating with us uh, along with its development. It provides a compiler for hybrid systems uh, and it implements a kernel-based programming model of uh, the Coda C++ language. Um, it's a single source C++ uh, a, a language for hybrid computing and will also provide Python uh, uh, wrappers on top of that. It includes a standard library of quantum algorithmic primitives, um, and really the key here is it unlocks performance, developer productivity, as well as cross-platform interoperability uh, for uh, hybrid quantum classical computing.
1: Well, that's fantastic. So congratulations on Coda. That's very exciting. I look forward to learning more about it. Sounds like a fantastic uh, solution. Oh, my goodness. I want to shift gears for a moment and talk about uh, workforce. So there are lots of job opportunities for people with skills in quantum information science. I mean, ranging from PhDs to um, you know, program managers to uh, biz dev and on and on. But you know, these include certainly ones that establish companies like IBM and uh, certainly NVIDIA, as well as the startups. You mentioned there you know, 250 startups in this space and their roles in national labs as well. So I want to get your take on how you go about recruiting for key roles in quantum at
0: NVIDIA. Well, you know, what's different? Yeah, there's kind of a, a two-phase answer. I'd say number one, I don't think that we could have been successful um, in developing a, a quantum computing strategy long-term without bringing in some, um, surreal, some quantum computing and quantum physics expertise. Um, so. Uh, I'm gonna almost contradict myself momentarily, which is why I'm starting with this. Um, but um, uh, you know, it is important to have people who really understand fundamentally what's going on with with, with quantum computing and with quantum yeah. in the house yeah. uh, to keep us honest um, to make sure we're heading in the right direction. Um, you know, technologically. That said, um, the the needs, um, the overall you know uh, skill set needed here is much broader than that. Um, and so, while it can be difficult to it would be difficult to fill a large team, a very large team, uh, of, with talent um, that um, you know graduated with their PhDs, focused on quantum computing, um, with different specializations in the different things that you might want to want to do. Um, you know, the challenges we face in this industry are broad, and they touch on areas that require knowledge. Uh, in, in general computer science, uh, in compiler and software development, in system architecture, um, and in how we look at high-performance computing applications, um, both uh, you know, without quantum, and now as we look towards quantum acceleration of those applications. Uh, so all that is to say yeah. um, in, in many ways, the way that we've recruited um, for the quantum computing um, uh, team here has been the same way we've compute- recruited for, for all kinds of other uh, responsibilities in the HPC team. We look for experience with solving difficult problems on complicated uh, complicated compute infrastructure. Uh, and, and if you have that, and we have some quantum physics and quantum computing expertise in-house as well, uh, we can build some magical things.
1: V- very exciting and uh, you know, inspiring. I think, again, for our listeners, please make note, uh, wide-ranging skill sets required to move this forward, right? Move this technology right, right. to the mainstream. So, Tim, great conversation. I always like to end by asking... Uh, my guest to wax philosophic to look into the crystal ball, if you will, and you know, give me your sense, you know, your vision of how quantum-based solutions are going to impact how we work and live, in maybe the next five to ten or even uh, longer.
0: Okay, so one thing I can tell you for 100 sure is whether we're talking three, five, or ten years, Nvidia will be playing a central role in, in the quantum computing landscape. Uh, okay. We're just uh, we're just getting going. Uh, we, we've got uh, exciting plans and. Um, and, uh, you know, wherever quantum computing is along its journey, uh, it, it makes, uh, it, it's interesting scientifically, it's motivating for the company in terms of wanting to solve grand challenges. It also uh, lines up very well with, um, with uh, opportunities and, 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 uh, and, 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 you know, the business needs of the company. So we'll be here yeah. uh, no matter what the rate of development is in quantum computing. Good. I think, I think that, um, you know, general purpose, quantum, quantum advantage um, for, uh, for a broad range of applications is, is probably quite a, a ways off. What I am excited to see in the next few years and and, and up to up to 10 years from now is the development of of full quantum accelerated applications, even if they are primarily even if when executing on with quantum resources, they're not uh, providing advantage today. But to make sure that we are developing the right algorithms and that we know how to put those applications together, how to put those systems together, where we're tying a class large scale classical supercomputing with quantum acceleration. Uh, These are really interesting challenges uh, beyond the development of, you know, a a quantum processor that has a million logical qubits error corrected to a million physical qubits uh, error corrected to a thousand plus logical qubits uh, that provide advantage.
1: Tim, thank you very much. I want to uh, invite people to follow you and the company on LinkedIn. Uh, I want to point listeners to your website, nvidia.com, and search for quantum. There's some great blogs and press about the portfolio Including one I really like called "The Road to Hybrid Quantum HPC Data Center Starts Here." Really great insight, well written, um, you know, impactful description of how this is how these two models are connecting to to drive a new paradigm, if you will. Um, I and I would ask if you're hiring, are there skills you're looking for. You might just mention a couple that I could. Uh, we point people to your careers website, maybe careers page.
0: Yeah, so if you go to an, uh, the NVIDIA jobs page and search for quantum computing, uh, you will find uh, positions uh, open. There's a broad range of open positions. Um, we are, uh, you know, we are looking for people who think about uh, and develop uh, quantum accelerated applications. We're looking for quantum compiler engineers. We're looking to expand our product team with, uh, you know, strategic developer relations uh, as well as um, product management as we continue to build more uh, more products. Um, so a broad range of open positions. I believe NVIDIA researchers are also looking for quantum computing researchers, uh, and our library team is, is uh, probably has some open positions as well. So search quantum computing on the NVIDIA job site, and uh, you will see many, uh, many possibilities. Great. Well,
1: thank you, Tim, and congratulations on Coda. Looking forward to learning more about that. And uh, thank you for joining me today. I really enjoyed our conversation.
0: Yeah, thank you for having me. I want to thank
1: Tim for joining me today, and thanks to all of you for listening. Please share this podcast on your social media channels to increase the impact of my conversation with Tim. Listen to my other podcast episodes if you haven't already, and please feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. This has been a production of Inside Quantum Technology.
0: You've been listening to the Quantum Tech Pod, brought to you by Inside Quantum Technology. For more information on this episode or other topics relating to quantum technology, visit InsideQuantumTechnology.com.